Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. What's up and welcome in on a Friday night. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com, tweet jhood. Also on Snapchat, snapjhood. You follow me on Snapchat. I will follow you back guaranteed as we broadcast live from our First Midwest Bank studio. It's the way banking is supposed to be. I'd like to remind you that J.D. and I, Jeff Dickerson and I, will be with you Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, both at 3 p.m. Chicago time, right here on ESPN 1000. We'll do our Dickerson and Hood show 3 to 7 Saturday, 3 to 5, leading you into the Cub-Dodger game on Sunday afternoon. So make sure that you're with us Saturday and Sunday at 3 p.m. right here on ESPN 1000. Not only are we doing Under the Hood, I'll be with you on the weekend. I'll come back on Monday. I'll come back Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we'll have the draft on Thursday. We'll recap it on Friday. I'll come back Saturday and Sunday. I'm just going to be here with you. I'm never going home. I'm just going to stay right here with you right here on ESPN 1000. In seven minutes, we'll hear from... Uh, our guy, Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. We'll talk to him in just a moment. But we celebrate the Toronto Raptors, their 12th player to win multiple finals MVPs. Kawhi Leonard gets that crown. That's exactly, and he deserves it. Only player to win finals MVP in each conference. Third player to win finals MVP on multiple teams. Only Kareem and LeBron was able to do that. And now Kawhi Leonard is part of that conversation, which is really great. It's really great. So the Toronto Raptors win the championship, and again, there's speculation, and plenty of it, of exactly what is going to happen with this uh, the NBA. What happens now? Will there be a dynasty for the Toronto Raptors? I don't know, because free agency will tell you all you need to know. All I know is this, is that with Durant out of the free agent sweepstakes, and same thing with Klay Thompson, it, it will be an interesting NBA for the nineteen twenty season, how everything's going to shape up. You know, the free agents might go back to the teams that they're already with, or there could be a lot of movement. All the stars, a lot of the stars, going out west, but yet the championship's in the east. If you are a free agent and you see a team in the east that's interesting to you, would you migrate to the east? Would you get away from all that talent and all the, all the cluster of terrific teams in the west? Would you go to the east? Now, Kawhi Leonard had no other choice. He was traded there from the San Antonio Spurs. Is Philadelphia interesting? Is Boston interesting? Is Chicago interesting? Those are things you got to think about. New York is not. Okay? But I know that some of the other teams will be interesting to, to see how everything develops when it comes to free agency uh, this offseason. More so than the NFL, more so than any other sport. Here comes the drama. Now that the season's over, a lot of it, it's coming. It's going to be petty. It's going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of conjecture. There's going to be a lot of rumors. This is going to be fun. This is what I look forward to because you get all. It already started on the show on Wednesday night that we did. It broke on our show about how Uncle Drew, Kyrie Irving, says, I'm going to fire my agent and I'm going to Rock Nation. 
which immediately says he's going to go to Brooklyn. <laughs> it's just amazing. You're telling you that Chicago, a world-class city, can't be on the same level as Brooklyn? Yeah. You know, and that's what it comes down to. That's why it's going to be interesting to see how this offseason goes. All right, it is time. Before we hear from Jesse, we always try to get some NFL in. We always try to get some, some Bears information in for you. Let's take a look at the NFC North with a little bear down. Great journeys always reveal one thing. The strength you never knew you had before you left. There's a snap. It's a good one. Seventies. Hester under it, backs up to a 16, runs right now, 45-40, and the putter to beat, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, touchdown, Windy City Flyer. Nothing against Jeff Joniak, but I do love hearing Joe McConnell from like the late 70s with that Bob Thomas field goal <laughs> with him and Brad Palmer. I do like hearing that cut at the beginning of uh, of our Bear Down segment. Glad to have you in here as we talk a little Bears NFL with you here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Okay, so we know the storyline, the major storyline for the Bears. Will they find the kicker that they need, right? It's really about the kicker. And so Matt Nagy fills us in on what's the latest on the kicker situation on NFL Live. We have, you know, basically today and tomorrow left of OTAs of minicamp. And and then uh, what we'll do is collectively we'll collaborate as to where we feel we're at in this offseason with who we have. And uh, Ryan has done an amazing job at just trying to keep the open communication with myself, all of our coaches. Uh, we want to do we, – we got to get it right. And, um, I mean, there's there, – for us, if we don't, we're not doing our job. So we're going to – turn over every stone that we have and and we, these are the guys that we have with us right now so they're get, they're getting the opportunity to win the job and so uh we'll, we'll have some time here to make that decision but whatever it is uh we'll do it together and we, we need we need to get it right bear down naggy talk about the kicker situation what about the rest of the nfc north let's go to the lions all right so that uh, all right that sounds like a tough line, but it's, that sounds like nobody on the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Maybe Stafford, but nobody on the Lions has that kind of teeth. Matt Patricia with the pencil behind his ear that he doesn't need, especially in 2019, but he wears it anyway. Never uses it on a laminated sheet, but he has the pencil anyway. Matt Patricia on his line. You don't really know how things are going to go from through the course of the spring. Uh, you obviously always want to try to evaluate um, your players as much as you can and try to keep as many good players as you can and evaluate them as you go through. Uh, sometimes opportunities come up in different facets and uh, maybe uh, the direction of the team might change or things might change from a schematic standpoint or um, points of emphasis might change as you work through the last four weeks. You know, it's, it's our good opportunity here to evaluate everybody over four weeks and see what we have um, on that side of the ball, on all sides of the ball, in every position room. And uh, like I said, you know, with the roster, sometimes um, movement on a roster in general can be affected not only by that position room, but also other positions that are also out on the field. So those are um, positions that we say we, we need to add some extra guys or, um, you know, as we gear towards training camp, what does our practice depth look like uh, in order to get through practice and some of the things that we need to do based on, um, you know, guys' availability, which, you know, we'll have – better answers as we get towards training camp, the start of training camp, to see what that all looks like. Uh, in general, I don't mind 
going at this time of year with 89 on the roster and having an extra roster spot available just because, uh, you know, there will be some sort of movement here by all teams over the course of the next several weeks. And I think um, in general, it's a little bit difficult as you go on break and you're not around the facility and, you know, you don't have an opportunity to get a hold of guys and, and actually, you know, explain what's going on. <laughs> The Lions, everybody. Sean, put this on the poll at ESPN 1000. Does Matt Patricia's press conferences sound like 6 and 10? Put that on the poll at ESPN 1000. Do, do Matt Patricia's press conferences with the Lions, does sound like, it sounds like a 6 and 10 press conference. It does. I Listening to that, it, I, that gives me no hope that the Lions will contend in the NFC North. That didn't sound like a lion. Anyway. We got to move on here because the, uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Chicago's own Mike Zimmer with his thoughts. I think we had a, a good spring. Um, you know, we're still still got a long ways to go from where, where we need to be. But um, uh, I thought uh, the new things we looked at on defense and uh, the installation on offense and the, and the way that we paid uh, emphasis on special teams was good. So, I'm looking forward to get back to having a great training camp here and uh, a little time off and then get ready to go for the season. How do you feel about where the offense is at in this new Well, th- right now the defense is ahead of the offense just because of the fact that, um, you know, they've been together for so long. Um, and we have good players there as well. But um, I-, I like a lot of things. I-, I think I have a good feel of what we who we can be offensively um, and-, and the strengths that we have with the, with the personnel. Um, and also, you know, some of the weaknesses that we may end up having to um, try to try to avoid. And so, um, uh, I think that has helped. You know, kind of figure out exactly where we are at the offense. I talked to both Kevin and Gary this morning about, you know, their evaluations of the spring and, uh, you know, how I see things, how they see things, and um, yeah, we talked some about personnel as well. All right, so there's skull for you. There you go. Let's talk about the Packers. So, some thoughts here from Matt LaFleur, the the new head coach for the Packers. What does he think of the NFC North and his team? I think you you always restart. You hit the reset button every time. Um, Really, we do that in every phase, from, from phase one to... When we start OTAs, we kind of reset it, and we'll do the same thing with training camp, and it just gives them another opportunity. I think you can't hear the information enough because when something is new, you can't possibly expect everybody to get every single detail. So you've got to review it over and over and over, and I think every time you hear it as a player, coach, whatever, there's a new detail that you you can retain and, and really think about. Is that what leads to the, to the sloppiness that you mentioned, or what, what did you think was kind of sloppy? Yeah, I, just like towards the tail end there, um, you know, that that was the third t- third day in a row we've done um, a two-minute operation, and the defense is definitely ahead of the game right now. Uh, but, yeah, just it's not as crisp and smooth as, as I'd like our operation to be. So thoughts there from Matt LaFleur. The head coach for the Green Bay Packers, and that is Bear Down, right here on ESPN 1000, ESPN app. Just wanted to find out what the rest of the division looks like. I will tell you, 
Uh, these guys here, that sounds like six and ten. These guys, sounds like they'll be right there. All right. Uh, these guys sound uh, like they're going to be contending here. I think they're, that's, those guys with Zimmer, that sounds, it feels like 11, 10, 11 wins. It does. And these guys, we're going we're gonna to find out what the Packers are about under new head coach Matt LaFleur. Glad you're with me here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Let's turn now to Jesse Rogers, who covers the Chicago Cubs like a blanket for ESPN.com as the Cubs get ready to take on the Dodgers at Chavez Ravine. Hello, Jess. Good evening, Jay Hood. Beautiful night in L.A. What's happening? It is a beautiful day. Let's go back to our conversation. Yesterday, uh, a day before yesterday, we were talking about, you know, the the Cubs and that uh, series against the Dodgers. Said, you know what? Kershaw and and John Lester should be a, a humdinger. Should be a great a great game. That didn't that didn't end up that way for the Cubs, did it? As they lost seven to three. No, but I mean, it started out that way. It was three nothing after three four innings there, and then things fell apart for Lester. And that's I think the lesson you're gonna we're, we're all gonna learn about these Dodgers. If you haven't learned them already, you you can't give them an opening. They're that good and that deep in the lineup. You just can't give them an opening. And Lester made a couple mistakes in that fourth inning, and and he paid for them. And he even mentioned, um, as much as the home runs hurt him, the singles in between, uh, putting men on base and then giving up the home runs. So three two-run home runs. Uh, last year, or maybe it was the year before, he hit, uh, he gave up two three-run home runs in the same game here at Dodger Stadium. This is supposed to be a pitcher's park. It certainly wasn't last night for him. We know the ball is flying out everywhere, well, I guess, Dodger Stadium included. It's one thing when it happens at Coors or Minute Maid, but five home runs in this ballpark. Um, there are years in the past you wouldn't see five home runs in a whole series, and uh, we saw five last night, and, of course, three of, uh, four of them went uh, – three or four of them? Uh, four of them four for of them. the Dodgers. Yeah, four so we six home runs. I'm sorry. Schwarber homer, Brian homer, then four, four for the Dodgers. So um, you don't normally see that at Dodger Stadium, but, of course, we don't normally see – uh, what we're seeing around the league these days. There's just home runs everywhere. Yeah, two from Bellinger and then Freeze and Muncie. Uh, what is it that, that the Dodgers have that the Cubs don't, you think, for the long haul for the rest of the season? Well, that's a great question. You know what? I asked Joe Madden a similar one. I said, what, what makes them so special? Not necessarily saying the Cubs aren't, but you know, why are they cutting above? And, and it, it's kind of what I just said. They just keep coming at you from the left and right side, and that's Joe's biggest thing. The last few years, you could get them out with, with a good lefty pitching staff. Remember, the Cubs have good lefty starters, not so much in the bullpen, but it doesn't matter now. Their lefties hit lefties. Bellinger hits lefties. Muncie, hit left, Muncie hits lefties. We saw that. So they really are as balanced a team as you're going to find, and they are better than they were certainly when the Cubs played them in the NLCS back-to-back years and maybe better even than their, their last two World Series teams. So that's what makes them special. I don't think the Cubs are – as deep and as special from the left and right side as the Dodgers are. It's not that the Cubs are bad. They're just a step below. They're a step below on the mound, and they're a step below in the lineup. So to beat them, they're going to have to come up with some incredible playoff series if this is the, the Dodger team the Cubs somehow face in October. My friend, do you have the lineup in front of you for the Cubs? Uh, I'd have to pull it up, but um, <laughs> come on, I know this. <laughs> Jason, oh, I'm on the field, uh, you know, so what are you going to do? Um, Jason Hayward is back in. Uh-huh. He's sat against the lefty. It's Rich Hill, the former Cub, mm-hmm. 39 years young. Rich Hill, still going well, has like a 2-4 ERA. So it's a similar lineup to last night, except that uh, Hayward's back in. And um, 
uh, let's see how many lefties they have in there. Swarver's still leading off. And remember, he, he doesn't always play against lefties, but here it is. Here he is leading off against uh, Kershaw last night, Rich Hill tonight, Bryant at third, Rizzo at first, Javi at short, Wilson Contreras behind the plate, which tells me Caratini could catch Darvish tomorrow. Almora in center, Hayward in right, Hendricks pitching, Addison Russell at second base. So Cargo hasn't started these first two games. We saw Brian in right field last night, but Hayward is back there. And Russell uh, playing second, Bodie will sit. So those are a couple changes from last night. But you have Brian in the two-hole, right? Yeah, he's back in the two-hole. He's back in the two-hole, absolutely. You, you like that? I have no problem with him in the two-hole. Yeah, I mean, he's had a lot of success there. He protects uh, both Schwarber in a way and Rizzo behind him. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I know other people want him in the, in the batting third. But uh, with, with now the pitcher batting eighth, he's almost like he's batting third because he's got uh, Joe has a regular hitter batting ninth. So I don't have a problem. Look, it, it's, it's, the, it's the Bill James theory of, of, of your lineups. Just bat your, your best hitters in your top five. It really doesn't matter the order that much. Um, and so my theory is whether Rizzo's two, Brian three, or vice versa, it's, it's not a big deal to me. Yeah, I don't, as we talked to Jesse Rogers about the Cubs with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, I, I have no problem with the Cubs lineup. My, my whole problem is is that they just got to get better offensively on the road. They, that's got to turn yeah. around and get more of a trend on the road because you don't want that trend to be when we get on the road, we're going to underachieve. That's not going to get it done now or in the playoffs. So that's got to turn around. Otherwise, the, the the lineup is so talented, Jesse. I more times than not, I don't have a problem with them. Yeah, my my feeling is, look, you just don't want to get into that pattern with that they've already been in. You don't you don't want it to continue where where you're, you're you're losing on the road and then you you are saying to yourself, okay, that's fine, we'll make it up at home. And then one of these days you have a bad home stand, and all of a sudden, uh oh, now what? You know, we're going back on the road where we're bad. So you, you know, there's a vibe, there's a pattern to, to how things happen sometimes with teams and right now they're caught into this bad on the road good at home bad on the road good at home and you know one of these days it has to turn for either side it could turn badly at home or it could turn for the good on the road you if you're a cub you want it you want the latter to happen so i'm with you you got to find a way to to get back in this winning vibe on the road and not be playing uh, behind the eight ball and the thing is they've lost all different ways on the road they've had leads they've blown lester last night darvish in colorado they've gotten down early um, they've lost uh, leads late with their bullpen. Remember, they did that on their opening road trip. So there's no real rhyme or reason why they're losing on the road. There's no one particular reason for it. You know, I, I haven't asked you about Zobris because I've been kind of waiting for everything to play itself out, whether he's going to come back or not. But I'll ask you, I'll ask you this way. Do you think it's best for Zobris to return to the ball club? Oh boy, that's a good question. That is a good question. I, I can't necessarily answer that in the in the in in, um, in the sense of for his personal life, like well, I, you, I don't you, answer, know. you answered it for Russell, so you can answer the Zobras. What do you, what do you do? You think it's best for the team overall for him for with his baggage, his personal issues, and, and you know it goes it can go a different way, Jesse. Maybe that can he can spark the ball club because of his issues. We've heard the stories before, like whatever's happening at home, they put it behind him and they focus on the field. Well, that might be why he's waiting so long to get it all behind him. And the other thing is, if he comes back September 1st, which is what I'm kind of um, uh, thinking is the date that he'll return, that's not that that really is a situation where they can they can hide him. I mean, look, if he's if he doesn't hit well, if you can have you can have 40 men in the in the dugout. It's not a big deal. I think that's an interesting twist to this whole thing that he's not coming back and taking up a, a 25 man roster spot. It'll be a 40 man spot. And 
if he's if he's mentally not in it, he could just be a cheerleader, right? If he's physically not in it, he could just be a cheerleader. If he's into it both ways, physically and mentally, he could be a contributor. So, I, you know, it's two different questions. What's best for him? I can't answer that. What's best for the team? I think Ben Zobers in September in the dugout is best for the team. I really do. I can't tell you that for sure if it was July or August because it's a valuable, 20, you know, 25-man roster spot. It's a valuable spot. But if it's in September, I think that there's a value to the team no matter what he does. Because that could be your cargo call-up. You know, like he's on, he's on ice. He's ready to come back to the ball club. And that could be, when you're looking to fill out, you know, veterans on your roster, that's a nice pickup if he's available and ready to go. Yeah, it'll feel like a late-season pickup, uh, a good contact hitter, a good on-base guy, and certainly a good teammate. If he you know, comes back as that player that we knew him, um, yeah, he's definitely going to contribute to this team as a late addition. But we have no idea. It's like you said, we don't know what he'll be mentally or physically. And that's why it, it probably is best that he comes back September 1st, where it doesn't matter if he plays one inning. He could just be in the dugout and be a good teammate. What's the sense of, of how uh, people are feeling about the Dodgers? You talked about their offense, and it looks like the best team in the National League, arguably one of the best teams in baseball. I wonder how sustainable is it for them? What's the, what's the vibe there? Well, it's just about being deep. You know, I've been talking about it since the Cubs got here. Uh, they're just so deep. They, they can sustain. They lost Seager the other day. It doesn't seem to hurt them. You know, it hasn't seemed to hurt them yet. Um, so they have so much depth uh, from both sides of the plate and on the mound. I think it is definitely sustainable, and it's not easy. Go to the World Series two years in a row and come back and have a fantastic season. You know, there is some fatigue involved, but when you're that deep, that's how you overcome. So a lot of respect around the league and certainly within the Cubs clubhouse for the Los Angeles Dodgers. By the way, Jesse, just as an aside, it is amazing. You'll get, what, 40,000-plus at the ballpark We know with Cub fans and Dodgers fans there tonight, right? Yeah, absolutely. More, more, more Dodger fans, more Dodger fans. Most places it's pretty equal a lot of times but here there there are diehard dodger fans but there's many cub fans here as well and it's at the same time in orange county you've got otani and trout in anaheim that's a that's amazing and, and the dodgers are still the draw there right <laughs> yeah there's right. still the conversation piece yeah. to draw the whole nine yards now maybe if the angels ever got good you know they i think they they'd have that star power to to, to sort of augment a, a first place team um but it's not happening. You know, they're, they're hovering around 500 again this year. Otani hits for the cycle, but you're right. It's the Dodgers. Look at the Dodgers record. Baseball really is a team, you know, is viewed as a team sport in a lot of different ways because we know Mike Trout only gets up there four times a game, right? And he could go 0 for 4 as much as he can go 4 for 4 and, and certainly probably goes 0 for 4 more often. Right. So it, it is about the team. If your team's doing great, you will get a, a, the attention much more than if a couple individuals are, are having great seasons. You know, it's summertime, and you want to be able to have a book to lay out in, in the sun and you know spend some time on the patio. you got a book for a good patio book for someone. Yeah, and remember, Father's Day is two days away, so patio books, uh, pool, pool reading, Father's Day, Try Not to Suck, the definitive bio on Joe Madden. Of course, you can get it at Amazon quickly before Father's Day. How about that? Without, without a script, ladies and gentlemen, he was able to rip that off. I'm so proud of you, Jesse. As I have all- no practice plugging that book. None at all. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. All right. Talk to you later, pal. There he is. is Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN Shy Cubs. How am I not getting residuals for this every night? How am I? I'm the only one in the station that's supporting Jesse on this book. I'm the only one. It didn't break you off yet? No, it hasn't broke me off, Davis. No.
pardon the expression. No, I don't know if I want him to break me off. But <laughs> but but I would like for him to to just you know, as we say in Chicago, just wet my beak. Did you negotiate the terms? I'd like to at least do that. Come on, Jesse. I'm the I'm the one uh, propping this book up for him. All those residuals they come from me on the weeknight show on Under the Hood. All right, coming up, we get a chance to talk to George Wilborn. Chicago's own. He is in town at the Chicago Improv. He's got a show tonight. He's got two shows on Saturday and one on Father's Day. George Wilborn's got some great stories growing up in Chicago, his time in radio here in Chicago, and a lot more. George Wilborn next on UTA. You're listening to my mans and them. Just some men that's on the mic. And when we rock up on the mic, we rock the mic. Jay Hood. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You're listening to Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Don't forget to check out the Under the Hood podcast wherever you download your podcast. Are you a podcast listener? You should download Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Just look for it. It's on Spotify. It's on SoundCloud. It is on Stitcher. It's on YouTube. Look for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. A lot of great interviews. And, of course, if you miss our shows, you can download them into your device. That way you can listen to them wherever you want. It's our way of saying thanks for checking out our show via the podcast, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. One of the interviews I did was Chicago's own George Wilborn. He was uh, did radio in Chicago for a long time, worked with Michael Bayston nationally. Um, also, longtime stand-up comedian uh, all around the country. He's from here. There's a lot of stand-up comedians, a lot of great comedians from this city. George is one of them. And in my conversation, and it's exclusive from the podcast, I want you to hear my conversation with George. We talk about his radio career uh, in Chicago and also nationally. Oh, man, it was crazy. You know, what I remember most about my first radio experience was I was working. I had no intention of doing radio. I was hosting all the side comedy club, and I was doing those seven, eight, nine shows a week, and we was having fun, and all of the people from the Bears, Chicago Bears, Chicago Bulls was coming, and everybody was having a good time learning and doing and honing our craft in comedy. All the best comedians was from the country was coming across, so I wasn't thinking about radio. And then Max Myrick and a guy named Curtis Cooper came to one of my shows and um, was like, man, this dude needs to be on radio. And Max Myrick came back the second night. The next thing I know, they had the whole sales team, you know, looking at me um, doing comedy. And um, and Max offered me a job. And I, I told him as long as I could uh, pursue in, uh, television and film and comedy, and they understood that that came first, that I didn't have a problem with doing radio. It happened to be at 6 o'clock in the morning when I used to, at that time in my life, I was just coming in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a bit of a change. I had to do some sleeping in between commercials for a couple of years before I got the hang of it. <laughs> but, you know, I had a great, great um great experience in growing up in radio because I had some of the best to teach me. Like like you say, the best to work with. Bonnie Deshaun is just the absolute best at, at, at what she does. And, and John Mons and even Tony Richards and some of the people that I got to work with uh, is just incredible um, uh, radio experience to, to come up with the uh, uh, Elroy Smith and the Marv Dyson uh, and um, to get those jobs and learning experiences was incredible for me. And by the way, for those who are wondering, Max Myrick, that's two X's in Max, in Max Myrick, right? Two X's. (laughs) (laughs) At double X rated. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. It's the only dude like, you know, Jamie Jamie Foxx, Red Foxx, Max Myrick. 
So there you go. You know, I ended up moving into uh, the building that the radio station was in. Um, um, it was it's like, the, what was the tower over there? Um, it was Marina City. I, I moved into to there, and that's where the, I think that the radio station was in. I moved in with Max Myers so that I could not be late. That's how serious I took my job in radio. I moved into the building that the radio station was in so I could just come right downstairs to work. Oh, that's good. That's good. You'd never be late then. Oh, no, I was still late. <laughs> <laughs> I well, wasn't as late as I would have been if I didn't live in the building. <laughs> well, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be us if you weren't a little late sometimes, so I understand. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I understand. So so from there, working with Michael Bayden, you worked with him several times. I, okay, so George, as someone that has supported you and and – and is is a Chicago guy, and I know that Michael is too. I thought yeah. that you guys work well together. I always just thought that you should have your own show, but that's just me. Well, you know, I I, I agree with you. <laughs> as soon as we find a couple more people that agree with you, and and in all actuality, there are some people who have been uh, um, uh, aggressively pursuing that, myself included. But I have some things that I've been doing. And Michael Bays and I had a really good run, like you said, two times. You know, the first time in, in the 90s where, you know, we actually, you know, I believe captured lightning in the bottle to a certain extent. And, and, and then once again, we tried to reboot it, you know, um, a couple of years ago up until um, January, December of this past year. I, um, I worked with him to when I walked away. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. You know, I have really good radio chemistry with, with Michael Bays and I have nothing but you know, great things to say about what we did professionally, you know, but sometimes you have to go your own directions and, and sometimes people grow, you know, as we grow, we grow differently and uh, sometimes apart, sometimes closer. So for me, I, you know, the stint that we had together was, was cool. And it was obviously a lot of times at, at some, some points historic and some of the things we got to do for the community and Gina six and the marches and, and all of those things were real and they're impactful and they they were um huge parts of my career that I will I will never forget, you know. But uh certainly certainly moving on and going to the next phases and the next levels of, of my career, uh whether that means uh without radio um um altogether or or not, I'm still looking forward to all the stuff that I'm doing now. But radio has been, you know, has been huge and I wish it could have it could have uh, gone a little bit differently. The next time I do it, I'm sure it probably will be with my own show. George, um, how has comedy changed? Now, I'll put it this way. How, do, how has audiences for comedy shows changed over the years? Because in our society now, um, it's just a little bit more sensitivity. Uh, again, I'm growing up, I'm different than most because I grew up with Red Fox records and comedy records, sure. you know, in the basement and stuff. So I was, even though I wasn't supposed to listen to those things, I kind of grew up with that. Right. So I enjoy it. But what, it has the, has the crowds changed based on the sensitivity of some people? Of course they have. Yeah, of course the crowds have changed and, and evolve, uh, evolving is going to happen. You know, I remember when the Def Jam and, and, uh, Def Comedy Jam and BT Comic View, those shows started coming out, you know, uh, then the, the audience has changed from who came to see us because now you're starting to say, okay, I want to see this person I saw on television. When comedy used to be, you just came to the club and whoever was at the club is who you learned about. You know, so the audience has got more uh, educated about 
who they wanted to see, what type of comedians they were, whether they were they blue comedians. Some people don't care for, you know, all of that foul language. Some some people they're not going to laugh unless they have a little edge on their comedy. So you know, as as all of those uh, politically correct um, issues come into to play, you know, um, the, those crowds and those audience change but what doesn't change is the desire uh, for people to laugh and the need for people to laugh and that's what I always try to focus on and I never really cared and never really uh, approached my comedy being concerned with whatever times or what was politically correct or incorrect because my job is still to try to relieve the stress of the people that's in that room and let them forget about their you know their divorces or their bad medical reports or the fact that they, you know, uh, still haven't found a job or whatever those things that make them need the laugh is what I try to con- uh, concern myself with. That is the most important thing and, and what I, I keep focused on. George, um, and don't forget to, you can go to chicago.improv.com to see George Wilborn. He'll be in town this weekend. Uh, again, chicago.improv.com to be able to purchase your tickets. Uh, I would say you purchase your tickets there instead of going to the door. And, and by the way, get there early, people. I told Dion Cole, Please. stand in line, man. You, it, the line went all the way back into the mall. And I'm standing there in my gaiters. I got my good suit on, and I'm, my feet yeah. hurt. Get there early. <laughs> Get there early, man. Don't don't. Please it's a seven. It's a, it's a seven thirty show on June fourteenth. Don't get there at eight thirty. Don't do that. Get there and, early. And look, and it's Father's Day weekend. You know, it's Father's Day weekend. I'm hoping that you know people come out and show and support the way and and no try to compare it to the mothers by any stretch. But you know, I think it's the the day of the father. You know, you got the, you know black men that are doing the white men that are doing things that mm-hmm. we've never done before. So we want to come out and support that by being on time and being in full attendance. <laughs> yes, yes, be, be on time. Absolutely. Um, it was my pleasure, by the way, to call your son's game uh, a few years ago. I'm, I'm doing broadcasting for the UIC Flames, and, uh, and I looked at the roster and looked at Texas San Antonio. I'm like, oh, George Wilborn the third, and I and my partner was like. <laughs> My partner's like, who's George? I said, I got this. Don't worry about it. I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I said, don't worry about who George Wilborn is. I got it. I got it. Is that, so I'm sure. So, so, so your son crazy, checks in the game, crazy. right? So George III checks into the game, and I'm like, I'm giving your bio. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Where did he get his jumper? I'm going to tell you, man, I grew up as a street ball player, you know, and, and my son worked very hard, George III. George, you know, he worked very hard. But I was a street ball player over in Foster Park, up off the 85th and Aberdeen. And even when I stood over on, in Woodline as a young kid with the legendary Lee Kirby playing basketball in Woodline, so he naturally got some of it from me. <laughs> but 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 really, but what really happened was that very early on, I found that George, you know, really enjoyed and excelled at basketball and was a hard worker. So he, we just continued to continue to put him in opportunities to uh, to pursue that. And he's just, you know, have some God given talent. And he's a smart young man. He's caring. So now he's he's really uh, developed into a full fledged uh, uh, student athlete. And we transferred to uh, University of California Riverside. You know where you know he is is now about to take over that team and and set a, a new mark and start a new culture uh, at at that 
at that university. So I'm I'm excited for him. But I think hard work and uh, his dedication to uh, what he wants to do is is, is why where he's getting his stuff from. And that jumper is deadly, my friend. Yes, it is. I saw that. I saw that. I saw that at the USC Pavilion. I saw that up close and personal, so I know what that looks like. Um, so, George, always there's always a learning experience, and you learn every day. I think that my grandparents told me that you always learn something every day. And so, what was your learning experience dealing with people um, based on race when you try to purchase a home here? Mm-hmm. And they denied me. Yes. Uh, the learning experience that there was several, obviously, Jonathan. The learning experience was that we had not gone as, as you know the obvious experience we had not gotten gone as far as we may have thought as my, i may have thought we had uh race wise because uh, you know as i think back during that time and when that happened uh i really was caught off, off guard you know to be able to, to afford that um the home that i was looking for at the time and and um to be denied it kind of caught me off guard and i learned that we hadn't gone as far but it also uh um it was a learning experience for me to know to stand, uh, stand firm on on your uh, values and your belief system and what it is you believe. And I've, you know, I've been playing with house money for a long time. I've told you on this interview alone some of the neighborhoods and the areas that I came and grew up in. So I've been playing with house money and was not supposed to get out of those neighborhoods and probably supposed to end up in jail and drugs or, or, or on drugs or, or in a graveyard, which none of those things happened. I certainly wasn't supposed to be on, on the Jonathan Hood show and, and on on on, on um, stages all over this world, and performed for kings and queens, you know. So you know, my thing is one of the biggest lessons that you never give up. You know, I teach my kids, the kids that from the youngest to the oldest, and you never, you know, you never falter. You try not to falter on on those values that you know got you where you are. Yeah, I, I obviously many of us are rooting for you in that situation, and it was just kind of like. This ain't the '60s, man. You should be able to move yeah. wherever you want to move, uh, whether it is Bridgeport or or Morgan Park or Beverly, wherever you want to move. You should be able to do that, and, and it just shows you that there are some that still just want to stop your progress, no matter how much money you make. Or who, they will just Absolutely. stop you based on the way you look. You know, and and that goes true for all human beings. You know, not just for the other race. You know, you have people in our own race trying to do the exact same thing. So that's why I say you just don't, you don't, you don't stop that. You know, you don't let anyone stop your pursuit, uh, your true pursuit of happiness, no matter who, you know what uh, what culture they come from. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you saw that uh, Lori Lightfoot is now the mayor. What was your initial reaction to see it come down to two African American women to become mayor? You know, I thought it was incredible. I thought it was, once again, the evolution. I thought it, it took me back to when Harold Washington was elected, um, the first black mayor. It just took me back to, to, to find Chicago has always nev- never been afraid to do groundbreaking um, work, whether it's in our politics or whether we things we're doing in our community, our sports. You know, it's just, you know, I felt very good. I felt good to be a Chicagoan, and, and, and I hope that, you know, I hope that this city, you know, uh, reaps the benefits of uh, of the change that you know they've elected, you know, and 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 turns around some some one, you know, some horrible, you know, imaging and some and some horrible um, feelings that are coming out of a, a really great city. You've been writing and you've been working on something. Is there going to be something on television that we'll be seeing soon that you've been working on? Yes, there will be something on television. Perhaps uh, um, it, it'll. 
We're looking at uh, Showtime, uh, looking at Netflix. Uh, it's uh, It will be a, a comedy-driven uh, project. Both the project, both the, te- the both the television show and the movie, um, the documentary film are are comedic driven. Uh, a lot of my friends, old people that you've seen before, like, hey, what happened to them? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the concept is something that everybody in, in California and Hollywood are, are going um, going crazy over. And and I've gotten obviously with a a great producer who's uh, produced with. Um, Produced Dave Chappelle's last four special, uh, Netflix specials, and she's won an Emmy and a Grammy for those. So I'm excited to be uh, even partnered uh, with someone so qualified and someone that I uh, obviously have a good relationship with. So yeah, it's gonna be something that we're gonna see. What what you got going on back there? Somebody's not happy. Yeah, that's, my, that's my killer right there, boy. That's that's my sister's killer. <laughs> killer. <laughs> that don't sound like a German Shepherd, man. I know it does, but believe me, that's all every bit of shit too. All, all, all of all of nine point seven pounds. <laughs> well, I don't want to mess with your shit too uh, at all. Um, no, you do not. <laughs> lastly, George, and I'll, as always, I appreciate your time. So, is there something that you want to do in your career that you haven't done yet? Something that you want to accomplish? You say, "But if I can get this, this will be great." Well, I'm kind of doing it right now. You know, I always wanted to do uh, the producing. I've, I've, I've hoarded a lot of the content that um, I'm getting an opportunity and, and uh, to do now and to um, and pitch some of the shows. And I, I would love to do a movie with my friends. You know, I grew up, I grew up in Chicago with uh, me, Bern, me and Bernie Mac were, were like brothers, along with Adele Gibbons and Cheryl mm-hmm. Underwood. We all used to get together and go on Stony Island on Seventy Second at the. Uh, at the Actors Studio with uh, with Alan Edge and, and Beer Can and go down to the Cotton Club, you know, and, and do our open mic. That's where Bernie Mac and I met, you know, and um, MGM and all the different uh, groups were all at the Cotton Club. So to see my friends like Cheryl Underwood and, you know, even though Bernie has passed, passed on, to see my friends like uh, uh, like Dion Cole and, and Lil Rail and all the success that, a day of getting in Hannibal Burris in Chicago. I think Chicago has the richest crop of uh, comedians and we have for a very long time. So I would love to do a, a film with my uh, with my um, uh, Chicago comedian uh, cohorts cohorts and and I believe that that is going to um, uh, happen very soon. And that's something that's going to uh, really be fulfilling and and a conversation that many of us had with each other for uh, many years coming up. No one's really seemed to be able to pull that off yet. So I would love to, to let that uh, happen and manifest before my career is over. Again, you can go to chicago.improv.com to be able to get tickets to see George Wilborn this weekend. Get your tickets, uh, again, from chicago.improv.com or at the box office. George, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. You're an ultimate professional, man. Straight Chicago, and man, I, I love you, brother. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you so much. And again, the stress reliever, the stress reliever is going to be in town at the Chicago Improv, June fourteenth. Two shows on Saturday, two shows, and also Sunday on Father's Day, the sixteenth at seven o'clock. Thank you, George. I appreciate it. You got it, Jonathan. Thank you, brother. Jonathan Hood. And I got what it takes to rock the mic, right? Yeah. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
We thank you for being part of the program here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Our thanks to Jesse Rogers and George Wilborn for being with us. Sean Davis on the other side of the glass. All right, Saturday and Sunday. Find me and Jeff Dickerson starting at 3 p.m. for Dickerson and Hood. And if you don't catch us on the weekend over Father's Day, I understand. You don't catch us over Father's Day weekend, cool. Find me Monday night, 7 o'clock. We'll talk about the Cubs, Sox, NBA free agency, and so much more. So for Sean, I'm Jonathan. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Jonathan Hood. I'm so hood. On ESPN 1000.